And that's all the news for now from RTHK. You ready to rewind? Tune in Saturdays from noon to three, right here on Radio 3. Classic. For some classic Michael Lance bringing the past to the present. A little something for everyone. Guaranteed to take you back. And of course, some good old country. So join me for some classic Michael Lance. Saturday from noon to 3 on Radio 3. You can't touch this. And welcome to another episode of The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. We're slowly creeping into December, which means it's almost time for some festive celebrations. Hope you're all as excited as I am. Yesterday was the closing of our annual Operation Santa Claus 2022 charity auction. Like previous years, we're all doing it online in conjunction with our flagship business and finance program, Money Talk. This year, we received over 40 donations from local businesses in Hong Kong, including flight tickets, staycation packages, dining experiences, and more. All proceeds will be donated to the 15 charities we're supporting this year. To close the auction, Peter Lewis invited one of our beneficiaries, Aura Young, the head of operations at Foodling Foundation, where she introduced Peter to more about the work they do and announced how much we raised in 24 hours. And Operation Santa Claus has now been in its 35th year since 1988. We've raised more than $353 million for 323 charities. We're supporting 15 charities this year, ranging from those with physical and mental disabilities, aid for youth and children, and some for the environment. And one of the beneficiaries is with me right now, Aurea Young, who's Head of Operations at Foodlink Foundation. Morning, Aurea. Morning, Peter. Um, tell me a little bit about Foodlink Foundation. What do you do? Okay, um, Fulling Foundation has been in operation for over 20 years already. We become a registered uh, local charity uh, 12 years ago. We collect surplus food from our uh, food donor partners, uh, including top hotels, members clubs, international school canteens, corporate canteens, um, hospital food distributors, and then send these food to our beneficiary partners, uh, which include beneficiaries from different walks of life like homeless, um, uh, low-income families, uh, uh, mental um, uh, uh, rehabilitation individuals, um, uh, uh, and then the also low-income families, elderly. There must be a lot of people, actually, I should imagine, there that, that fall into that category here in Hong Kong that um, are in need of this type of service. Yes, indeed. Uh, actually, in Hong Kong, we have um, over 1.65 million people living in poverty. Okay. And is there a lot of food waste in, in Hong Kong and are hotels and restaurants realising that, you know, this can be put to a good use? Of course. Uh, well, you know, in Hong Kong, people like buffet a lot. <laughs> so uh, just as an example, last year we collected a total of 566 tonnes of surplus food and served over 1.3 million meals to people really? in need. 
That's incredible. That's, yes, that's indeed. A, that's a lot of meals. So how many volunteers do you have um, sort of helping you and wh- where do they come from? Oh, our volunteers come from um, uh, people from all, different all sectors. So mm. uh, sometimes we have even senior volunteers. We have kids volunteers. Uh, we have um, people uh, 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 from uh, from any age group. Uh, so we have uh, over thousands of volunteers supporting our work. Great. Well, we're trying to raise money for you and our other, uh, all of our 15 beneficiaries. Once again, just a couple of minutes left to bid on the auction. Go to the Radio 3 homepage, www.rthk.hk forward slash Radio 3. The auction will close on the dot at 8.25. You can still donate after the auction has closed, but you won't be able to bid anymore on the item. So please be generous because every single uh, dollar that we raise goes to a good cause. Tell me about Operation Santa Claus. How has that helped you? Oh, um, well, uh, we are very blessed that uh, this year we got funding from Operation Santa Claus for opening up a um, pop-up store uh, mm. in Kowloon East um, because we have a, um, uh, a, a partner, uh, which is one of the big supermarket chains. So we collect a lot of surplus food from them, like fresh produce, um, sometimes ugly fruits, but they are still good to eat, mm. um, uh, vegetables or, or dry food. Um, so there's a lot of surplus food and they are very nutritious healthy food so then um, we will put these food into this pop-up store uh, where the beneficiaries can come to the store and collect them free of charge well um, you know um, a lot of low-income families they have to wait till very last uh, minute to go to wet market to buy food because they have to cut back on food costs uh, in order to cope with the uh, rising um, uh, living expenses so um, with this pop-up store, um, the mummies won't have to wait to the very last minute to get food for their kids. So the money is going to really helping you expand and help you do more uh, to serve the local community here. Exactly. Well, it's great. Well, look, it, it, we really appreciate the work that you're doing on, on charities like Food Link and the, and the good that you're doing for, for local people. The auction has closed um, now, so we can tell you um, how much we've raised. So I tell you what, uh, Aurea, why don't you tell tell our listeners and tell everyone how much we've raised so far? Oh wow, Peter! I see a very good number here: seventy-four thousand eight hundred and forty-nine dollars. Wow. wow, that is great. That's fantastic. That's a, a really good amount. That beats the amount we raised um, last year uh, when we did the charity auction. Auction. So thank you to everyone who has been bidding um, on on that and and, and helping to donate uh, to to the auction. How do you feel about that? It's a great number, isn't it? And it's going to help you and all of our other beneficiaries as well. Yes, uh, Peter. Uh, actually, I feel very heartwarming because it's really nice to see that um, people from different sectors are supporting a good cause. Yeah, and it's been a difficult year, hasn't it, for people in, in Hong Kong. But it's still important to remember that however hard things are, there are people worse off than us. Yes, yes, yes. And you come across them every day, I, I suspect. Yes, um, I, I think um, it, it's actually a blessing if we could help uh, people who are less fortunate than us. And any particular plans going forward, how you'd like to sort of expand the operation? Oh, yes. Um, you know what? Christmas is coming up. 
<laughs> so we are actually appealing um, to um, uh, different uh, 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 people from um, uh, food industries, hotels or restaurants. Uh, perhaps uh, they could support our um, uh, Christmas uh, food donation program. So we are appealing for food like um, turkey, ham, where we can um, um, uh, send to these uh, low-income families uh, to celebrate uh, Christmas. Okay. I mean, it's a, it's a great idea because, um, as, as we talked about earlier, there is a lot of wastage going on in Hong Kong. So this is a really good way of making sure we use the, the things we produce and the things that we don't eat and it doesn't just get um, thrown away. Yes, and um, uh, every time when uh, when I see that the uh, the, the kids or, or a senior, their 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 smile when we bring these food to them is is really really very heartwarming. Well, Oria, thank you very much for coming in uh, this morning and helping us close the auction. And congratulations on all the good work that you do uh, for for the needy and the hungry in Hong Kong. Well, uh, thank you, Peter, for having Footlink here this morning. And uh, let me just remind you again, the amount we've raised, $74,849. That's a fantastic amount. So thank you very much indeed for your kind and generous donations to this charity auction and for helping to support Operation Santa Claus. Many people from Radio 3 have been involved in making this a success, but special thanks uh, in particular to Andrew Dembida. He went cap in hand to a lot of local businesses and persuaded them to provide the items we've been auctioning and also to our Money Talk producer, Christy Lai, who's been organising the auction website and many other things as well to help make this success. And thank you once again to you for your support. Laura Young, Head of Operations at the Foodlink Foundation, and she was speaking to Peter Lewis on Money Talk. If you missed the auction this year, you can always donate to Operation Santa Claus at oschk.org. Since it's getting colder, it's always nice to have something warm. Hot pot or diving low is what comes to mind. So for everyone who's not familiar with how hot pot works, you basically dunk pieces of meat, vegetables, seafood, or anything you like in a bowl of soup. It's usually enjoyed by a group of people together. But of course, you can always enjoy this delicacy alone. Telling us some special tips about how you can enjoy hot pot is Yuki Zhang, producer at Radio 3. So today, I'm bringing you all sorts of hot pot phrases in Cantonese. So I want to start off with um, the soup. Obviously, the soup base for hot pot is very important. Oh, actually, before that, I'm not sure if everyone else know what hot pot is, but basically, it's just we'll just cook the food in a in a big pot of water or like soup. Um, I don't think this is just a Hong Kong thing. Um, obviously, we do it in China. Um, I think in Japan we also got shabu shabu. That's right. Yeah, yeah, and I think in Korea they have army stew as well. Yeah. So maybe it's the Asian thing. Yeah, Asian thing. Yeah, I think so. Just boiling the food, and but sometimes I feel like the food is not very flavoursome, so you always have to add different condiments to it. Yeah, uh, I think why the soup is very important is because um, it adds extra flavour to the food. Oh, yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And there, um, and I think in Hong Kong we use um, mainly. So uh, there's a very famous soup base in Hong Kong. I think it's satay. I like satay soup base. And, and I think another thing is that we use congee to 
do the hot pot. Congee, I've never heard yeah. of congee hot pot. You've never heard of it? It's no. very, it's, it's really big in Hong Kong. I think few years ago. Really? Yeah, because because I know we have the Sichuan. Um, you, yeah. you can have half and half. So first of all, a uh, 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 hot pot is da bin lo. Yeah, da bin. Yes, da, da bin lo. <laughs> and then congee is jok. So if it's congee hot pot, it would be jok dai fo wo. Oh, okay. Yeah, and why is it? So popular in Hong Kong is because uh, we like to you we like to eat seafood with hot pot. So after you cook seafood with congee, all the congee absorbs all the seafood Flavor. flavors, so oh. it would taste super good. Oh, I see. Okay, I didn't realize that. But I know, I know. Um, you know, normally you shouldn't drink the soup because it's really heat. Hey, it's really heaty. So yeah. because it's absorbed all the flavors, all the maybe beef and mm-hmm. all the other other things. So that they they advise you not to drink the. <laughs> yes, I think for drug diet is different. Okay, it's different. Yeah, because drug- because that's already long. That's already cold. I think chok is a bit low, isn't it? I think yeah, so. Yes. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Correct us. Of yes. course. And now I'm. On, I want to talk about because obviously you know hot pot. The um for me the meat is very important. So we eat um beef, pork, chicken. Um, we also eat all sorts of balls, fish balls, um beef balls, pork balls, squid balls. Of course, just like I mentioned, seafood. We'll eat. Fish, yu, streams, ha, um, crabs, hai. Yeah. Yu ha hai. Yu ha hai, yeah. Yes. Oh, and now I want to bring in some controversial items for hot pot. Ooh, yeah. what sorts of... Is it new? F- oh, 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 you can talk about like duck blood or something like that? Yeah. Oh, oh but but is Apu. I think it's very famous in Taiwan. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. No, I've never tried that. Yeah, me neither. I don't, yeah, I personally don't like the texture, but yeah. I know. What's the texture? Is it a bit like jelly, a bit congealed? It's like a chewy tofu. Oh, okay. If, yeah, if I recall correctly, because I only tried it once. Yes. Yeah. And another item is, <laughs> I like Spam. Oh, spam. I like, yeah, <laughs> I like to eat hot pot with spam, but then I know a lot of people think it's weird. Yeah, no, you just, never... yeah, you just boil the luncheon meat, but I, I, I personally so like boring. it a I just maybe have some meat and just some veggies, and that's about it. <laughs> or maybe instant noodles, I've tried yeah, that. Yeah, I'm a cops person too, so I like... That's why I like to eat with spam, is because spam goes so well with noodles. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, and another item is coriander. Oh, okay. Yim sai chong. Yim sai, yeah. Okay. Yim, yeah. Yim People sai. like yim sai, but then I personally, I, I really don't like the taste. But then either you like it or you hate it. Kind of like marmite. You either like it or you don't like it. Yeah, I yeah. don't like marmite either. <laughs> yeah. And one last thing is gai zi. Do you know what's gai zi? Gai zi. Gai zi. Is it chicken? Yeah. So it's chicken testicles. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, whoa. I know some people really like the texture. Like... It's like it will not like burst in your mouth, but then I don't know. The oh, the, oh, is it kind of like um, you know, the, like uh, the, the salmon roe? The, the yeah, bit, yeah, okay. yeah, similar like to that, that texture. Then, yeah, and then people said it's very good for your body or it's very good for you, but then I just don't really like it and I find it very. I've weird. never even seen that on the menu before. Wow, oh, really? Yeah, well, yeah. You, you're totally <laughs> teaching me some new stuff. Yeah, so it's gaiji. I'm, 
if if you want to try, then you can try. Yeah, I think it's particularly good for men. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, in yeah, Chinese medicine yeah. is always like that. Yiying boying. Yiying boying. Yeah. yeah. The, the shape will um will be good for the uh, whatever well, shape the food is. It's good for the shape of oh, your body. body. Yes. Yeah. So, so kidney beans is good for the kidney. Oh, it's, yeah, oh, it's true. Yeah. Yes. Okay. oh, yeah. <laughs> well, according to Chinese medicine yeah, so uh, beliefs. Okay. Yep. Oh, another. Oh, then now it's, it goes to must eat items. Um, just like, of course, I mentioned beef. But there's another thing that my friend said I have to mention is that fried fish skin. Oh, yeah. That's really popular. These. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And you have. Uh, my tip is to. Just put in a soup for like two to three seconds oh. and then just eat it. So you it will be like half soft and half crunchy. Okay. Yeah, that's my... That's your tip. Yeah, that's, that's your my hot tip. Pot tip. Are you a big fan of hot pot then? Do you like hot pot? I like hot pot, but then, you know, this is a very Chinese thing. It's very yeet hey. Oh yeah. yeah, I don't really know how to explain he- heaty. Hey, I think heaty. it's heaty. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but it's very yeah. I don't really know how to explain the logic behind it, but then it's just very eat Hey, so you tend to um, get sore throat afterwards. Sore throat and pimples. Pim- yeah. yeah, I break out a little bit after a hot pot. <laughs> yeah. it, like it's maybe. I think the, the 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 best way somebody's explained to me is like that the heaty toxins just comes out of your yeah, of your body yeah, of your oh. body in, in those ways. Yeah, but if you I, believe in that. Yeah. Yeah. But if you just ignore all these, I'll just eat whatever I want. And that was Yuki Zhang and Noreen telling us more about Hong Kong-styled hot pot. On Wednesday, the Backchat team looked at a recent survey about wedding costs and spending in Hong Kong. Getting married can be quite expensive, as not only do you need to pay for gowns, wedding rings, a venue for the actual wedding, and some miscellaneous things that you would never cross your mind. To tell us more about the survey is Valentina Tudos, dating and relationship coach. Well, I think people who want to invest in a marriage, they see a diamond ring as a proof of commitment. And um, I think culturally, we've all been educated to believe that uh, our value has to be as high as possible. So when someone proposes to us, I think the the size of the diamond uh, is the the actual proof of that commitment. But of course, um, I would also say that uh, the idea of a diamond being a girl's best friend has been um, planted in our culture for for a long time. So it's it's a lot more than just a sign of love. I think it's also the sign of commitment and investment, uh, like if you like, energy that people put in their relationship. Uh, the planting of that commitment was a deliberate move. I think a lot of people know this history by the De Beers company. Their their marketing department came up with this as a way to sell more diamonds, uh, and uh, particularly in North America, where the original uh, they, they originally sold it and, and kind of suggested that people should uh, a man should spend a month of his salary on the diamond, and that that you know inflated over time to two months of his salary, three months of his salary. Um, but I mean, it, it's strange that De Beers still has that hold on us a hundred years later. Well, it's a monopoly on the business, right? <laughs> and this this uh, idea has obviously been perpetuated by culture and the way we see uh, a wedding as a as a merging of two families. And uh, I was actually surprised in the in the survey to see this idea of betrothal money. I didn't know this was still a thing. 
in, in the Hong Kong culture, you didn't know that people were still yes. doing this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I didn't. I wasn't actually aware that people are supposed to to pay money to get a wife, but um, it is still obviously the case. Hmm. Right. I just want to go back to uh, the finding where, it's, where it says uh, 56% of uh, the uh, brides-to-be uh, said they would reject a proposal without a diamond ring. Is it uh, just happening in Hong Kong or, or have you, or do you know if it's, um, it's the same situation in other places? I've not heard that people would reject the proposal. Um, but again, culturally, um, there is an expectation, I think, and not just in Hong Kong. I feel that as Andrew was saying, uh, the, the beers company has been extremely successful in creating this expectation uh, that comes with the idea of marriage. I don't think a diamond ring is the only expectation that comes prepackaged, if you like, with the idea of marriage. Um, but, you know, even this survey is, in my opinion, uh, continuing this trend that people all have to, to uh, spend or invest a certain amount of money in their wedding. Mm. So I don't know whether this is a bit of a vicious cycle that we're in here right now. Yeah, I mean, I was looking at some data from a couple of years ago, and admittedly from North America, um, where it said a lot of millennials now in particular, uh, they don't view the traditional proposal by a man with a diamond ring to be the be-all and end-all because they were more collaborative in their way that they planned out to making the commitment of a marriage. So there, there wouldn't be a surprise move with a diamond ring necessarily. And they were more into experiences over things. So they would rather spend the money on a honeymoon or, you know, the, the wedding, you know, kind of an exotic wedding followed by a honeymoon rather than pe spend it on a piece of stone. Are you, are you picking up on that vibe as well? I mean, 44% of the people said they would be okay with a marriage proposal with no diamond. Yeah. I think outside of Hong Kong, um, this is not as much of an expectation. And you rightly said, in, in this age group of millennials, people are much more focused on a collaborative approach to marriage. There is not necessarily an expectation that one or the other of the of the partners would have to cover the expenses of the wedding. And especially, I think, after the pandemic, a lot of these uh, traditional mindsets have changed a little bit because there's been so much difficulty on organizing a traditional wedding. So people focused more on what was available to them and I think that has helped to to shift away from this uh, preset um, you know list of expectations that was included in the traditional wedding I have had cases with the inter international couples let's say a Western person marrying a Chinese person where they've clashed over these expectations you know big weddings uh, destination weddings which may not have been what the expectation of the western partner was um, but they got resolved once they understood the cultural differences and the meaning of these big events in in the partner's life mm, so so the the connection between money and meaning needs to be clarified when you're in the process of planning one of these i agree yes um the the case that i'm i'm thinking of was um like a western male partner marrying a, a female partner and they didn't really know each other very well and the western male partner didn't really know the chinese culture very well or the asian culture in general so there was uh, a big shock when uh, they heard the amount of money that was needed for two different wedding receptions and the number of guests and so on so that caused a little bit of pre-wedding um, disagreements, but fortunately they all got resolved with a little bit of understanding of, as you said, meaning. What? Why do we have to have 
X, Y, Z on the list? And why do we have to have two weddings? And why do we have to invite so many people? Because I think this concept of a marriage in front of lots of people has changed a lot in, in the Western society. People don't really care so much about impressing, um, you know, the, the broader community. But it's much more about the couple and their close friends. And uh, what do you think, what sort of impact do you think uh, the COVID pandemic has had on, on uh, this kind of thinking about uh, relationships and weddings? I think it's brought people to be a little bit more realistic, if you like, or much more practical. I think a lot of the, the wedding culture before was very much about making a big splash, showing everyone what, what a happy couple we are and, you know, uh, creating it as, as a big event in people's lives. I think obviously the pandemic has brought these big dreams uh, to a halt because people have had to postpone their wedding celebrations and so on. And I think a lot of, uh, at least people I know, have lost patience with all the different restrictions and decided to just go on and do smaller ceremonies and still um, tie the knot, so to speak, without that um, social aspect playing as important a role as they used to, to play. Valentina Tudos, dating and relationship coach, was speaking to Andrew Work and Janice Wong on Backchat. And finally, to end today's week on three, I'll leave you once again with Steve James, who will take you back in time to the 1970s with some good old jazz. Take care and have a great day. I'll see you next time here on The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. Oh, the factories may be roaring With the boom a lack a zoom a lack a wee But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four Everything stops for tea Oh, they may be playing football uh-huh. And the crowd is yelling, uh, kill, kill the referee, kill the referee But no matter what the score when the clock strikes four Tea time! Everything stops for tea Tea break this afternoon We're going 70s jazz, kids This day, 1940 Chuck Mangione was born U.S. composer, arranger Flugelhorn player had the 1978 U.S. number four single. And I remember being played a lot on this radio station. When I first got here, it feels so good. This has actually got a terrific guitar solo in it. But some people kind of miss it. Give it a go. Here we go.